We're back with the second installment of BAFA Division 1 Midlands Edition. I can see why Marcus always starts with we're back with another 1 in 15 show. It feels good to say, right, James? Yeah, it's nice to feel like we are back from something. Back from something from one episode previous. Back from hard-fought battles on the flag football pitch. <laughs> in the blazing sun, I'm so burnt. Oh, honestly, it was it was so hot. Um, I remember, <clears throat> so obviously because we were on a 3G pitch, we all turned up wearing base layers, trying to protect ourselves from essentially just high-velocity rug burn. Mm-hmm. And then it got so hot, I ended up taking all my base layers off and everything, and I'd been so religious with the sun cream all day, took my base layer off and completely forgot about my legs. <laughs> so the back of my knees have been so bad. Like, I'm struggling to sit down and stand up. <laughs> oh, no. I was in the shower crying when I got home after the burn. Oh, God. I think that a lot of people said that, though, and I saw, I saw the, uh, the burn marks from sliding on the floor in our, in our chat. And someone shout, shout out to Liam Dale, who looks like he's had a night of passion on his hands and knees, <laughs> <laughs> or hit by shrapnel. One of those, one of those. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, got to keep the base layers on." That happens. Although I was hot as balls, shall we say? Uh, so in this episode, we have all the news from Game Day Two, with a few more in-depth insights into the eight games played. Uh, we look into the cross-conference teams joining us in Nottingham for Game Day Three, and as always, we give our score predictions for the upcoming game day and invite you to play along to try and get into that prize pool. So, first of all, let's dive into game day two with some results and highlights. So, Neptunes versus Cougars was the first game of the day. A fairly close game, not only in points, it seems, but with the way they were scored. The teams took turns with a pick six each on each side. Uh, number 99 for the Cougars, which was finished by number nine uh, for the XP. And I can't seem to find any player information with the Cougars, so please update your stuff, guys, so I can get your names. Uh, Dan Selwood achieved a pick six, finished off by Luke Cavalleris for the Neptunes. Uh, Cavalleris went on to catch a, t- a touchdown for six points, with Freddie Burridge also catching for six from the arm of Cougars. QB Justin Thomas, the absolute machine. Yeah, so normally you have the undercard first and then the headline act, don't you? <laughs> right. um, but this was the Battle of the Titans straight out of the gate. The top two teams in the Div, both of which I think are really in contention for promotion this year, got to go against each other and it was as close as we expected it to be. The fact that it came down to a defensive pick followed by yeah, the score off the back of that just shows you how how it was really difficult to separate these teams. And as I said last week, it was one mistake that got made and they got punished for it and unfortunately lost the game based on that. But it was well fought on both sides. Mm-hmm. A touchdown by number 44 and a safety by number 21 took the Cougars to the final of 16 points, while Neptunes took 21. A special mention as well with three sacks for the Neptunes in one game by Ollie Botham. Uh, last podcast, we, we both predicted a higher scoring game, though. Although we did predict a, a close game, um, we predicted a higher scoring game. So both defenses did enough to keep those numbers low, so it seems, James. Yeah, I think we maybe underestimated the defenses there. We both we know that both teams have a phenomenal defense, and I think we just expected the offense to shine through slightly more. But it just shows you those guys went out and gave it their all. And I, and I think because they were both fresh as well, because it's the first game mm-hmm. of the day, it really makes it a hard challenge to try and put points up against them. And I think... Both teams can probably attest to how difficult the other is to try and score against Mm -hmm. and how strong those defences really are. Sure, and a mental game too, because if we think about table positioning, they're the ones that were on the same points at the end of last game day, and they're thinking we need to beat these guys or they're going to go ahead of us. Yep, that's it. And when it comes down to it could be the the game that separates you from your closest rival, it's going to be a a high-pressure game, you know, they're going to obviously play each other again in the season at some point. I can't quite remember when, but those results could be the difference between being promoted or not when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next, we have the Panthers versus the Honey Badgers. So next, the Panthers put up the highest points of the division so far this season with 55, and we saw the Honey Badgers get their first point on the board with 13. A pick six by Nick Jackson to get them going, followed by a touchdown by Guillermo Princhard with an XP by number 27 Jamie Richards, both thrown by QB Jim Heron Not We saw the Honey Badgers move from their zero-point standing as of last game day. I'm happy to see those guys put points up on the board, but after predicting just six to get through our defense last episode, I can't help but feel we could have defended that just a little bit better to prevent the extra scores. You, James, on the other hand, predicted exactly 13 in your guest last episode to the Honey Badgers. And for those who can't see, I'm currently doing the Jeremy Clarkson smug face. (laughs) 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 No, I think the the Honey Badgers, they, I think they've taken some learning from game week one. They came out as a stronger team, definitely. Uh, The Panthers, we did really well. We played fantastically in terms of 
going out and executing what we've been learning and what we've put in since our last game day. Um, I think, yes, towards the end, maybe we got a little bit complacent when the score started to open up a bit mm -hmm. and we made some mistakes that we shouldn't have towards the end. But the Honey Badgers did a fantastic job capitalising on those mistakes mm -hmm. to put some points up against us. So it was a really fun game. It was really enjoyable for us to get our first win of the season and to do it in such a convincing way. But I think you're right in that if we had maybe stayed a little bit more on the ball throughout the game, mm -hmm. we could have maybe made that score even greater. Yep, I think so. I think so. So the Panthers had their best outing so far with five catching touchdowns, one rushing, and three converted uh, XPs to Mason Reed, two to new boy Liam Ardigo, and one to Jared Nelson. Dale Cooper and Dan Richardson making up the other XPs. As a player on the offense, how did you feel you went into this game compared to last week's efforts? I just think we clicked um, in a way that we maybe didn't last time. Maybe that was opening day nerves. Maybe that was um, because... As I say, it takes a while when you get to the start of the season, you think that you're all ready to go and then actually things aren't quite the way you expected mm -hmm. and you have to learn week. to adapt. Jake DeFriend did a great job of coaching us from the sideline with play calling and, and being able to view the game properly and make decisions on the fly. Um, Frank at quarterback did a great job. He really took the right opportunities at the right times, deep balls when they needed taking, took the check down when that was the only option. It was really, really fantastic to see how well we gelled. And I think we got into a rhythm really early and that helped us a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And getting into that rhythm, we had a lot of interceptions that day. Uh, defense playing well. We got Kara as well, giving out safeties and sacks left, right and center, uh, allowing that offense to be on the field so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? It's great to see that. And it was great to have not only picks, but a pick six at times and the defense were really on a roll and it was incredible to see how well the, the D were playing. Um, at the same time, when, you, <laughs> when you're kind of hoping for a couple of, <laughs> a couple of minutes break after you've gone and punched the ball in and then to have a few snaps off while the defense do their thing, then to come straight out of the gate, get a pick and just have to go straight back on. Yeah, it, it's a blessing out of curse, but it was a great time. Sure, sure. <laughs> So, uh, Panthers won that 55-13 to the Honey Badgers, and then they had to play straight away against the Bears, the other Nottingham team. Uh, the Bears came out with a humble six in the roster, but they were fresh after reffing the first time slot. What are you thinking in this situation, James? On one hand, you're in a team that's warmed up and had just come out of the game with a load of points, and the other a team low in numbers but fresh with a game plan in mind. It's a challenge when you know that you've already had to exert some energy to play and that a team comes in fresh. Um, I was personally surprised to see the Bears turn up with so few players again. Mm -hmm. um, I'd spoken to them on the sideline beforehand, um, and you know, I understand it's difficult to try and get players when your team's in that situation. Um, I think we were in two minds. It's very difficult for us to take the win that we just had, ride the high and keep going, and not almost underestimate a team like that when yeah. they turn up with so few players, but we were trying to be very careful not to because we didn't want to make any silly mistakes that could cost us the next game because they might be a little bit quicker than us, a little bit sharper than us, and just that little bit fresher than us because they've not had to play that first game. Exactly. The one thing we had was numbers on our side because we had, I think, 16 of us on the day. Yeah, I think so. Around that. Mm. So... We had plenty of subs for both sides as well as players that could go both ways if needed. So for us, the numbers advantage was really something that we wanted to push and be tactical with. And that was where, once again, Jake on the sideline managing the substitutions made a real difference for us in that second game. Mm -hmm. Keeping fresh, keeping fresh. The Panthers this time had around two touchdowns each to Mason Reed and Dan Richardson, with one apiece for Nelson, Cooper, Whale and Ardigo. Uh, the XPs by Ardigo, Richardson, Nelson and yourself, James. Walk us through that play. Oh, it was a great little play. Um, Frank was desperately trying to get me a touchdown all day because um, we have a running joke that he never throws to me in the end zone. I get him all the way there and then he just ignores me. <laughs> so um, he was. it was really nice that that ball came at the right time. We did a fairly short play where the centre crosses underneath and I was just, I was open at the right point. And um, for those of you that may have witnessed it, ended up catching the ball, ro rolling onto my ass and 
ended up doing a bit of a backflip on the floor. <laughs> it was basically a headstand for a good <laughs> second and a half. <laughs> it was good. We've got the film and it's fun. <laughs> it's fun I, to watch. I was doing my gymnastics floor routine in the end zone. <laughs> uh, the Panthers offense brought their scoring to a halt at 54 points uh, while on defense Kara Jackson keeping up her sack expectations with one there and Paul Peters claiming another interception for the day along with Liam Dale the Bears certainly didn't make it a comfortable experience though as they racked up 34 points for themselves two touchdowns for Jack Mitson a catching and running touchdown for number 21 and Malarkey with a TD two single XP's and a double XP taking it to 34 54-34 so what would they like to defend against? Uh, they were a tough team despite only having six of them. It meant although fatigue would onset at some point, they were consistently warm and ready to go while other teams may have certain players take a rest and come back and have to find their rhythm again. Like you said a minute ago, James, we were trying to play our numbers game. But at the same time, if you're a, if you're a team that can play both sides of the ball for the entire game, that's a great advantage. You're staying warm. You're not coming off and having a break. You're there and you're in the game the entire time. Uh, these guys were always ready and it really felt that way. They're a fast offense that seemed to like to have constant movement after the snap. Very few times they stood still waiting for the ball. You've always got to watch for the late runner. A frustrating but fun team to play against and I do look forward to when we see them again this season. I think they are a really good team. I think they've got a lot of experience between them and I think they've got some very good plays and very good personnel. Um, for me, it was really good to see how well they performed. And I think if they were on a game day where they only had two games like we did instead of three, they may have been able to go a little bit more wild and push themselves that little bit further that they might have needed to do in those situations. Right. Um, I mean, it seemed like to me the one thing was they started off a bit conservative and we took advantage of that, got some early scores, and then they had to play catch up for the rest of the game. And mm -hmm. that was probably what threw them off a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get like I say, they always think about conservation as well. Conserving that energy. They know they've got to play their rivals later on that day and later in the day too, which we'll get to later on. But first, the second game on pitch one was the Cowan Cougars versus the Phantoms. Uh, oh, by the way, we've had a message, James, come through from us from the Cougars stating that, in fact, they are not a conjunction of the Bedford Blackhawks and the Coventry Cougars that we stated last time. But they do have a few ex-Blackhawks players in it that moved to Coventry a few years ago, which is where I think the description came from. I would like to take this opportunity to formally apologise to any Cowan Cougars that I offended last week. <laughs> I didn't mean to associate you with Bedford at all. It's just when you see someone in a uniform, it's a small game. It's a small community. So it's quite easy to remember faces. So And where they're from. And where they're from. So apologies that we uh, assumed incorrectly. Yeah. The Cowan Cougars, uh, standalone. So, uh, again, I've got a full list of stats here, but no names to put them to, as I don't have the Cougars or Phantoms roster or match info available to me at this time on League Republic. Some I've worked out from social media and things and recognising judge numbers and names, um, so i put them in if I can. Uh, so we had TDs from Cougars 87, 26, 44, and three touchdowns with number 17. A strong individual effort there uh, with XPs by 99, 44, and 87, all thrown, of course, by QB number 88. See what I mean? It's weird saying numbers rather than names. Much fun names. Get, get those names, Mikus. Uh, this took their total to 39 points. The Phantoms had a repeating score with two touchdowns thrown to, I think it's Alex Hudson at number 56, thrown by Jeremy Smith. XP's from 28 and 10, meaning they ended up with 14 points. Uh, they traded interceptions with one for the Cougars, number 9, and one for the Phantoms, number 47. Any thoughts on that score, James? We had 39 to 14 Cougars. Um, I don't think it was a surprise that the Cougars came out and played as strong as they did. I think they had a bit of fire in their belly after losing to the Neptunes in the way that they did. Um, it was nice to see the Phantoms put up a fight, even if they couldn't quite match the Cougars. It's It comes down to the Cougars just are a very, very strong team. They always have been. Um, they really gelled as a team. They're a very tight-knit team, so I think they know each other's strengths and weaknesses very well. The, the Phantoms are a very well-drilled team. They know a lot about the game and they are very well-disciplined. But I think the Cougars were just able to exploit the holes in the coverage a little bit more and, and play to their own strengths a bit more and dictate the game in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So next up, the Nottingham Bears in their first repeat game against the Neptunes. In their first matchup this season, the score was 33-26 in favour of Cheltenham. 
The Bears had a repeat matchup with Gaz Letitia stepping in at QB and getting two completions to Jack Mitson, much like in the first game for Mitson. Uh, Gaz got a third touchdown to Richard Greaves, which was converted by Mitson to give them a final score of 19. A lower score than their first meetup, but they did hold the Neptunes to 32 points. Justin Thomas still in QB, throwing three touchdowns to Luke Cavalleras and two to Sam Harvey, with XP secured by Harvey and Piotr Gorski. Neptunes closed to their previous score of 33 in the last matchup, but managed to reduce the Bears' damage by seven points, James. Is that down to the toll of only having six players, do you think? I think so. Um, I think, well, the fabled seventh player arrived. <laughs> he was always there, he just didn't have his kit on, and I think they convinced him to play. <laughs> um, but I think... It was very impressive for the Bears to be able to come up against a team like the Neptunes with so few players and put up a fight like that. A mm-hmm. um, little bit disappointing that they didn't achieve my very close prediction of 35-21. <laughs> but um, I think that you can't fault the Bears for coming out and playing against a team like that. The Neptunes are such a strong team. I'm, I mean, I'm being ridiculed by my own team currently being the mem- the president of the Neptunes fan society at the minute (laughs) on this podcast. But um, yeah, you can't fault them. They are such a strong team. And for the Bears to go out and play as well as they did after already playing a game and being so low on numbers, I think it was a really good performance from them. Mm -hmm, Really say perhaps they were saving some of that energy for that Neptunes game, knowing the repeat game was, was coming. And trying to put some points up. A uh, very similar kind of score, though. Um, just a little bit lower. 32-19. Having both lost their previous games that game day, the Phantoms and Honey Badgers were both looking for their game day to win. It wasn't to happen for the Honey Badgers, as after touchdowns from number 10, number 28, and 3 or possibly 4 from Alex Hudson, and 1-point conversions by 2, 28, and 58, the Phantoms found themselves with 33 points. The Honey Badgers did put up their biggest score and a definitive fight with only an eight-point trail on 25 points, with Jamie Richards catching three touchdowns thrown by Sam Waring and Jim Heron not, with Sam Watson nabbing an interception. It really shows how difficult this game can be to judge. After Phantoms put up 47 points up against the Panthers last week, who beat the Honey Badgers that day, for the Phantoms to only beat them by eight points, it really does depend on the squad on the day, right? And of course, kudos to the resilience of the Honey Badgers too. Now, remind me, Kurt, was this the game that we both predicted that the Phantoms would score 33 points in last week? Yes, it is. How bizarre is that? It's really fun, isn't it? (laughs) So I think we both knew well in advance that the Phantoms were going to score 33 points. Promise you that Baffer isn't rigged. (laughs) But um, it was nice to see the Honey Badgers come out and put up a much closer score. For it to go to 33-25, I think, is a phenomenal game. It's so close, and it just shows you that how wild this division is going to be mm-hmm. when the game that they had against us was a totally different type of game the game the phantoms had against us they scored much higher so it's very difficult to judge these things because you really feel like well if the phantoms beat us by this much and the honey badgers lost to us by this much yep. then maybe we could predict that they would beat them by this much or but it just doesn't work like that. It was it was phenomenal to see um, <clears throat> the score that the Honey Badgers put up, especially after coming off the previous loss. Exactly. And that's exactly how I made my predictions as well, which was how do we play against a certain team? How do we play against the team that we're talking about? And let's put those points together. And it just didn't work out that way. Well, that's, but that's what you have to do when you're predicting these things. Yeah. Because if we, don't, if, if we don't use ourselves as a frame of reference, we've got none. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but there was no rest for the Phantoms or the Neptunes, who faced off for the first time this season straight after their previous games, which they both won. The Phantoms this time only managing the one TD, uh, which on the score sheet says was thrown by Hudson and caught by QB Jeremy Smith. That may be the wrong way around, but who knows, it is flag football. Six points on the Phantoms, uh, an honourable mention of Phantoms number 47, who had five pass breakups and six tackles in that game alone. But it wasn't enough, as Neptunes racked up 32 points. They certainly like that low 30-point range, James. You can't fault their consistency. Don't, they are very consistent, definitely. It's almost like they take their foot off the gas a bit when they hit 20-something. <laughs> um, no, it was a lower-scoring game than, than I predicted, certainly. Last week, I said it was going to be 42-27. to 27. So uh, kudos to the Cheltenham defence for managing to keep the Phantoms down to just one score. Yep. Um, and well played to the Phantoms defense for keeping the the Neptune scores as low as it was. Yep. Um, I know it's difficult to swallow when you know it's a loss, especially when you're on defense and you feel like maybe you could have stopped a score or two. But to play against a team of that caliber and come away with 
that little damage. I think they can take pride in that. So it's going to be a really interesting season later on. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Touchdowns for the Neptunes by Adam Walker, Sam Harvey, and two for Luke Cavaleras. One of those thrown by Piotr Gorski. Uh, sealed the deal, giving Neptunes three for three on the day and six for six in the season so far. The only team with the perfect record. But much like the Southwood Scorpions, who we'll be coming up against. And I think Cheltenham will be coming up next time as well. Well, we'll have to save that for the next segment, won't we? That is the next segment. Keep tuned, people. Keep tuned. We're almost there. The final game of the day was the Nottingham Derby between the Bears and the Honey Badgers. The day did fall behind a bit, and Neptunes were hoping to put both final games on at the same time, but unfortunately Cougars had already left at this point, leaving no one able to ref the game on pitch too. So it was a late one in the day for the two travelling teams. And it was certainly a decisive win for the Bears with their six-man squad, or possibly seven, who took the game at 32-0. With number 48, Gaz Letitia in the QB driving seat, number 21 achieved a TD and a pick six, making it 12-0 at half time. Malaki contributes the majority of the remaining points with two TDs, an XP, and three sacks to the game. Last episode, James, we were both predicting relatively close games for the TD or less. Does the pair's local rivalry history contribute to the score here, do you think? I think so. I think you hit the nail on the head last time, Kirk. Um, when you're a local team, you play them more than most, so you get to know a system. Um and I think both of those teams are in a bit of a rebuild phase at the minute as well, mm. from what I've been hearing on the sidelines and talking to players. So I think that's a factor in it as well. But it was a really good game from both teams, I think. Um, not quite as close as we expected. No. But none of that two point conversion testing. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying but, to get, get it. But um, yeah. You can't you can't knock the Bears, can you, for going three games in and having a long day like that. I don't think that game kicked off till about five o'clock. Mm. So or half four maybe. And obviously think about the long drive home as well. Yeah. And the long drive that they took to get there as well. You can't fault them for putting up a performance like that and coming away with a win. I think it was well deserved. Uh, I'm keen to know if the Bears knew the score of the previous Honey Badgers game, knowing that Honey Badgers put 25 up against the Phantoms, who were so strong in week one. I wonder if they were a bit nervous into that game and played extra hard just to try and keep them down. Um, possibly, possibly. Um, we'd have to ask a bear to find out for certain, but uh, I believe they were reffing. Oh, right. Or well, they were, at the very least, they were waiting around for their game to start, so they yeah. might have watched. So you'd like to think they know. So the standings after game day two are as follows. Cheltenham Neptunes now lead the table with 18 points. Cowan Cougars in second with 12. Phantoms and Panthers are both on six points, battling it out for third place. The Bears are in fifth with three points. And despite getting some points on the board and giving the Phantoms a bit of a fight this week, the Honey Badgers remain at the bottom, still looking for their first win of the season. It's worth remembering at this point in the season as well, Kirk, that although the scores are very close some teams have played more games than others um Cheltenham for example have played six whereas the Cougars have only played five Mm -hmm. so those scores are only going to get tighter as the game totals line up as well yeah and we've only played four I think we think we've played the least so far yeah I think we've had a pretty easy time the first couple of weeks yeah yeah which means we're in for a rough second half of the season we are, or a surprising one, as we get the games racking up in numbers that more, therefore we can get some points put on the board and actually start creeping up the table. Um, but I think it's not bad. We're only four games, but we're sitting at third right now. It's not bad, right? Not bad. Well, third or fourth, sort of in between there. I'm not joint sure how they're up the points. Joint third. Joint third. We'll say jo- joint third. That's what we're saying. That's what we'll say. So before we move on, James, a question I've always wondered about is, in flag, is there much behind a home advantage? We don't have the local crowds gathering in their dozens like Sunday League football. So in your opinion, what are the benefits of playing at home? Sunday League football has crowds in the dozens. Back home they do. In Cheltenham they do, for sure. Some of them. Uh, maybe that's because posh people don't have much to do on a Sunday. <laughs> in Coventry, you've got three lads and a, and a bottle of Stella between them. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, home field advantage is a bit of a weird one. And obviously, you, know, you could ask a, a hundred people and they'd all give you a different opinion. My personal opinion is there's pros and cons to it. Um, the pro is there's zero travel or minimal travel for most of the team, which obviously means you can get there early, you can get there fresh, you know the facilities, so you know, you're not going to be panicking going, where's the toilet, where are the changing rooms? Um, you know, you're not going to be running around trying to find somewhere to park or getting lost and turning up late and missing the roster check or... Or not being able to get out. Yeah, or not being able to get out and all of those things. Um, but on the other side, one of the disadvantages that you get with playing a home game is that you're responsible for the event. 
And that might only be a few players or that might be the whole team, but it requires just an extra bit of forethought and an extra bit of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of being able to rock up at nine o'clock when the second, when the first game you're playing is at half nine, you're there at eight o'clock setting up the pitches, unlocking the gates, opening up the changing rooms, getting everything ready to play. Mm -hmm. So there's that little bit of extra pressure, a little bit of extra responsibility. You know, you've got to bring the kit for all the teams in terms of cones and pylons and things, as opposed to just having, you know, bringing your jersey, your tags and mm-hmm. your boots. But um, I, I do think as well that there is an advantage to it because of the lack of travel and because you know the ground. Familiar- um, familiarity, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a massive amount in it, but the difference in being able to play somewhere where you know the the potholes in the ground and you know where the lumps and bumps are or where the most rubber pellets are if you're on 3G, I guess. And also being used to playing on 3G. Obviously, the Neptunes use that 3G pitch quite a lot um, and they're used to playing on that ground, whereas we're used to playing in the muddy slops of what was the Conventions RFC before we moved to Elsdon. Yeah. Uh, so if we had a game on that sloppy stuff, I thought I'm sure, I think we get some wins out of that. But yeah, I I think that does make a difference as well, particularly when you're talking about artificial versus natural surface. When you've got the artificial surface, you do have to play slightly differently, as uh, your ankle will attest to. It will. It still hurts. Um, but <laughs> I think not having that practice time on the pitch that you're used to does make a, a slight difference. But I think most of it comes down to the lack of travel and the knowledge of the facilities, if any. Mm-hmm. The lack of travel is a good one, especially for this week, as Nottingham, of course, had to be there for roster check, but had to stay until, as you said, five, six o'clock at night to do their game before traveling the furthest back from Cheltenham. Uh, quite a tough one there for them. Yeah, I think I think the Honey Badgers and I believe the Bears as well were actually arrived before we did even. Yep. Um, which just when we arrived for, when was it, half 11, 11 o'clock-ish, and we left about... Four mm-hmm. for them yeah. for them to be there in advance of that, and to not leave until probably gone five six o'clock on a Sunday as well. Yeah, it's uh, less than ideal. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if there's a way, perhaps Baffer could organise some of these games where the, the further travelling team could play an earlier game, and if they had to be the team to leave, then that that would be the one. But you've got it the other way round as well, which is. I personally like to give the teams that are traveling further the later games so that they can arrive in time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. And yeah. it's, so you're never going to keep everyone happy with that. No, that's true. Very true. You either arrive late and stay late. And I think that's less of an issue on a game day where you start at nine, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting at midday, it's great for us because we got a line on a Sunday yeah. and a line on a Saturday because we didn't train. Um, but for a team that comes from further afield where that, our drive time maybe becomes two hours, mm-hmm. then going home on the Sunday evening, knowing that you've got work the next day is uh, less than ideal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talk about this, of course, uh, as we will be in the hometown of two of our division teams for the cross-conference matchups being hosted in Nottingham. Let's take a look at what's to come in game day three as we cross the conference with our Northern Division neighbours. So now we look across both the Midlands and Northwest divisions as we are approaching our first cross-conference game day. We are joined through the power of the internet by Salford Scorpions number 21, Ali Owens. Thanks for joining us on episode 2 of First and 15 Baffer Midlands. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me. Oh, very welcome, very welcome. We've also got, of course, we've got James here as well. He's still here. Still here. <laughs> but you could, be, you could be proud that you are the first ever guest on the Baffer Midlands podcast. So we're hoping by having Ali on the show uh, that us and the other teams in our conference listening can learn a bit about the unfamiliar teams we're about to face in game day three. So let's do a quick listing of all the teams involved in their current table position. So these are the cross-conference teams in table order in the Midlands. We have the Neptunes, the Cougars, the Phantoms, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Honey Badgers. Of course, the Bears and Honey Badgers are hosting this game day in Nottingham. Uh, in the Northwest, we have the Scorpions at the top, within the Titans B team, Vikings, the Serpents, and the Chorley Buccaneers in bottom. I'm guessing you've had a team drop out, which is why you've got an uneven number and the Vikings have only played two games so far, according to the League of Republic stats. Uh, was that the Lancashire Bombers, Ali? Yeah, that was the Lancashire Bombers who unfortunately dropped out due to their, um, a lot of the game days clashing with, I think they've got quite a lot of young players, under-19s, and it was the contact season that quite a lot of the game days clashed with. So, sadly, they had to drop out. Oh, interesting. interesting. So it wasn't a numbers thing? But that's, that's completely disgraceful. Flag is the superior sport. Why would you, why would you choose going to contact youth over flag? 
<laughs> we got a few players of that, I guess, though. No, flag all the way. <laughs> a few players. I'm just here to be controversial this time. <laughs> so we will bring up uh, the Vikings later on and having only played two games. Uh, so, Ali, could you give us a rundown of the teams in your division and how they've fared so far this season compared to the previous times you've seen them play? So let's start with the Chorley Buccaneers. Give us an overview of those guys. Yeah, so Chorley, uh, unfortunately this season they've got a bit of a small squad. However, the Buccaneers do have a very good ladies team. So they've managed to take a couple of players from the ladies team and right. uh, use, them, uh, yeah, use them in the mixed league. And they've, uh, although the uh, perhaps the league table doesn't recognise it quite as well, they've actually done they've actually done quite well in games. Uh, they've they've hung in there, and uh, most of the games have been quite close. Unfortunately, a few of their games has come down to one score, or I think it was one point against the Titans. Yeah. But other than that, they're they're very effective at moving the ball, and yeah, they're quite a good team. Yeah, it was 37-36 against the Titans, which is which is mad when you look at the table as it is now. Currently sat at the bottom of the Northwest Division on 0-4. They've been putting up points, though. Uh, 37 against the Titans, 27 against the Vikings, 19 against the Scorpions, and 18 against the Titans. Uh, again, they're not being blown out of the water, but perhaps their defense isn't keeping up with their offense, or perhaps they're not quite scoring enough to take the win. The offense is working at times, though, with the points speaking for themselves. Uh, but what about the West Lancashire Serpents, Ali? Uh, well, they're, the, uh, they're kind of the, the new boys uh, in our division. They um... They only got affiliated between uh, last season and this season. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play in both their affiliation games. And it's actually quite amazing with how well they've progressed in such a short amount of time. A couple of ex-contact players, which that experience uh, mm. is, uh, is always good to have to have in the team. But, uh, but yeah, there have been a couple of games whereby they've been absolutely incredible, uh, especially in their one win. I think they put up 40 points against Wirral, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. 40 to 26. Yeah, and uh, and but then again, they they played us and let in sixty odd points. I think the game afterwards. So it's the game kind of a mixed bag to start the season with. Do you think it's a consistency thing? Is it that they're struggling to? There are some issues with consistency, but I found whenever I've played them, they tend to stick to their scheme, which can be quite good. But they don't really change it throughout games. And if something's not working, they'll usually carry on doing the same thing which unfortunately tends to land them in a bit of trouble. Right, interesting. But that that can also be a symptom of a lack of experience with both the league and the sport, can't it? If you've, if you've not been in the league for very long and you've not had much exposure to other teams, sometimes it's a bet, safer bet to stick with what you know, even if you're not 100% sure it's working, compared mm. to trying to improvise on the fly with some inexperienced players. Especially with contact players as well, who are probably under certain systems where they've been doing that in their contact teams as well. Uh, so they are currently one and three, similar to the Buccaneers, putting up points against the big teams in the division offensively, but letting in a fair few more the other way. They hold a decisive win, 40-26, against our next team, though, the Wirral Vikings, Ali. Yes, so uh, Wirral uh, have been around for a good couple of years now. They've, uh, they've got quite, quite a good squad, great depth in the squad as well. They have uh, a set starting offense and defense. They have utility players as well that sometimes play both ways. And yeah, they've got they've got more than enough subs as well. Uh, I understand on their first game day they were missing um, their starting quarterback and one of their starting receivers as well. So um, so a bit of a bit of a mixed bag on the first game day. Mm. But no, they they look as though they're doing quite well even without some of the starters. So so I predict that they'll they'll go on and do quite well this season. Nice. So the Vikings are at one win against the Buccaneers and one loss, as you just mentioned, against the Serpents. Obviously, having played less games due to a team dropout, do you think they'd be in the middle of the table where they are uh, they are now? Or do you think if they had played as many games as the rest of you guys, would they be higher or lower? Uh, with Wirral, I'd say, they'd, I'd say they'd be lower. I think sort of on, on the first game day, I think they were meant to play against uh, Titans B, which I think perhaps Titans B would have walked away with the win there. And mm. the game against Charlie, it was it was another close game with them just pulling ahead in the final couple of minutes. Um, yeah, they, they hang in games really well, but I think some of the experience from the other teams will uh, will prove uh, will will make the difference uh, in their games. Interesting, interesting. So, what about the Manchester Titans B team? For those who've been around for a while will know of of course Alan Mead and the A team, which uh, at the moment uh, taking the prem uh, by storm. I believe that. 5-0 at the moment, and they're absolutely doing incredible. The Titans B team have have a great squad. The only issue is, though, they are uh, quite inconsistent. 
they tend to move the ball up the field incredibly well. And uh, getting that first down isn't too much of an issue for them. The only issue I would say is actually getting the ball into the end zone. Sometimes the quarterback likes to overextend himself and make plays that just aren't there, which can lead to interceptions, incompletions, and uh, and yeah, he's uh, he is a good quarterback though, and I expect that he'll do quite well. They may struggle in sort of the the cross conference stuff when uh, when they go up against teams such as the Neptunes and the Cougars, who are both by the looks of things very good teams. Yeah. For sure, for sure. The Titans are sat second in the division with three wins and one loss. Uh, and from looking at the table, though, this is where it gets interesting to me. Uh, your, your division gets really interesting. So against the Servants, the Titans had a fairly decisive win at 41-18. But considering they are the second in the table, against the bottom of the table, the Buccaneers, they've had a real struggle. Their first game together coming down to one point at 37-36. And their second game being also fairly close at 18-26. Uh, Ali, what's the story between those two teams? Is, is there a story there? Well, on the first game day, it was um, it was just a good old fashioned shootout. It was two offenses doing like what they do best and um, and uh, picking apart the other's defense. Uh, the final play of the game, um, I believe, Charlie scored a touchdown, which you know one point would have tied the game, or two points would have won it for them. Right. So they let it go for two points. Sadly, didn't quite make it, and the Titans walked away with a the win there. Oh wow. That's what I predicted was going to happen in one of our games, but didn't. We, we've we been in that situation before as well, and it is a heartbreaking moment because we've been on the other end of it, haven't mm-hmm. we? Where we've elected to go for two, and we as a team have turned around and said, no, we're going to go for the win. We're not going to play for a tie. And then, yeah, and it is it is such a gamble, but it's a real shame when that happens. It is. It is. Uh, their one loss, though, was quite a bit of a thrashing uh, at 65 points to six by the table leaders, of course, you guys, the Salford Scorpions. What can you tell us about those guys? Uh, so this is our second season in the league. Um, last season, we kind of had a mixed bag of results, but on the off season, we've worked on sort of improving the offensive scheme and worked on a new defensive scheme as well that's worked incredibly well. Um, we had a fantastic off-season as well, going to the Pie Bowl in Wigan and uh, coming second there, getting to the getting to the final, which was quite an achievement for us. Um, that's when I felt, you know, this team could be could be a great team and do incredibly well in the league. And at the moment, sitting at four and zero at the top, you know, I could not be happier. Yeah, you guys, I, I noticed you guys are new because I've been following your social media since you started and I've been really enjoying social media from, from, the, uh, from the Scorpions. Not everyone has a great social media in Flag and I think if pe- if everyone just upped their game slightly to do social media, um, it'd be a much bigger game than it is, I, I reckon. And you guys have always done a really good job with that. Even when you first started, you had your little MVP cards and everything just com- coming out and all pink everywhere. And I was like, what? who, what, who yeah. is this pink team that suddenly <laughs> come out of existence? So where have the Scorpions come from? Are you members from other teams that have, that have failed or, or, or just a, a Scramble or brand new? They've come from Salford. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> a variety um, of, of different places. Yeah, there's there's a couple of guys who who live in Salford who started up the team, and I believe it was just like five of them. And then they started to attract more and more players. A couple of our players are ex rugby players. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of people. It's just that uh, we know who we work with. I played for uh, Leeds Samurai. Right. For about five or six years, and then the Calderdale Knights back when they were a team. Um, yeah, for a couple of years then uh, before that. Uh, and when I moved to Manchester, I just I was looking for a new team, and it was a choice between either the the Crows, the Titans, or the Scorpions. And the Scorpions, yeah, yeah, you have a chance to to build something there, being a brand new team. Yeah. And uh, exciting, yeah, it was, right? Good. So there we have our five cross-conference teams facing up against what the Midlands have to offer. Let's now talk about the upcoming matchups and predictions. So uh, this time we're shaking it up a little bit. So last time we had a prediction thing where you give an exact score and if you get it, you get into the prize pool. Uh, we're going to let one person into this prize pool, by the way, Sean. Yeah. Sean Moss was only one point away. He had one exactly right and the, the other, I can't remember which game was, was, was it Bears Neptunes? I think it Possibly. was. Possibly. I think he was one point off, so I think he's deserved to get into that prize pool. Sean Moss is our first guy in, but we're going to shake it up this time. We're going to introduce you to the cross-conference accumulator. 
By clicking the Google Forms in our comments, you can predict whether it's going to be a win or a tie for a particular team down the line. The more you get right, the more chance you have of getting put into that prize pool. The top person or persons who get the most right will be put into the prize pool. Uh, but let's give our, our predictions. Here's our little insights here. Uh, so all we can do, though, of course, is go off the predictions we've seen and the results we've seen between the two tables. Uh, so let's just go down them and, and have a turn at each. So at 12 p.m. of the day, we have three games kicking off. So firstly, we have Titans versus the Phantoms. James, what do you think? I mean, from what Ali was saying and the way the table seems to be reflected, to me, the Titans have got that one in the bag. I'm going with Titans win. Going Titans. See, I think this is where the division is going to be really interesting. Phantoms, although haven't shown too much on the table last game day, in the first game, they, they gave us a real fight. I yeah, think, they I played fantastically. They have played fantastically. Yeah. But from what Al, from from our reconnaissance mission that we've got broadcast to everyone <laughs> and everywhere right now, I think it's um I think the Titans are really solid. And if they turn up and they're not too tired from the travel and they're bringing their the if the B team is bringing their A game, whoa, then we oh, I think we've got a Titans win. Interesting. I'm actually going to I'm, I'm going to say Phantoms win. Oof. I've gone the other way. Ali, what do you think? Oh, difficult one. I'd have to give the edge to the Phantoms. Sort of look at looking at the looking at the league table at the minute. It's like yeah, they've they've had two losses in there, but it's mm. uh, they've they've only conceded well, only conceded 121 points, but put up 100 points. So it shows that they're not getting blown out. They've shown that they can hang in there with uh, with different teams. And I, uh, I think that's what I thought as well. And uh, as you're saying, with the, the Titans being so good getting out the field, but not quite getting that completion in the end zone, that could really be the make or break for the Phantoms, as as we found out. Yep, it can make a difference. Titans hit me up. No, it could make a difference, but I'm I'm sticking to my guns. Interesting, interesting. The next we have the Neptunes v Buccaneers. The Neptunes sat at the top of the Midlands. I think it's going to be a challenging first game of the day for the Buccaneers. So I think a definite Neptunes win there. What do you think, Ali? Uh, so I'm going to have to go with the Neptunes win. The Buccaneers are capable, but I think just looking at what what um, Chapman have done this season, I think I'm going to have to give the edge to them. Mm -hmm. And James. Well, we all know that I am the Cheltenham Neptunes fan club president, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Neptunes all the way for me. Nice Neptunes. Okay, cool. So then we have uh, Scorpions versus the Bears. Uh, as we said before, the Bears totally depend on their turnout on the day and saying that they can still do a lot of damage with just six of them as we've experienced ourselves last game day. So everyone is fresh and wary and the Bears do have that hometown advantage we were talking about earlier in this episode, James. Uh, saying that with the Scorpions record, I'm going to go with Scorpions, but I'd really like them to make it as difficult experience as possible for you, Ali. <laughs> thank you, thank you. No, I've, I've got no doubt that they will do. I've played them in pre-season. I think that the score was 13 apiece. Uh, we were missing quite a few of our starters. I think it was basically our, um, our second offense was, was starting and we, it was tied 13 apiece. But I'm, I'm going to give the edge to Salford on that one. Got to go home. Got to go home, right? Yeah. James, what do you think? I think, um, as you said, obviously we've already discussed whether home field advantage is a true thing in flag. Um. I think with the consistency that we're seeing from Salford at the minute and the definite lack of consistency we're seeing in the Bears through numbers, through each game being so different from the last, yep. um, I'm, I've got to give the edge to the Scorpions on this one. Okay, so they're all the ones at 12pm. At 1pm we have three more matches. Uh, it's then the Honey Badges against the Serpents. James, what do you think of this one? Well, I think um, based on what Ali's told us, consistency is going to have to be the order of the day for both of those teams. Um, I. I would love to believe that the Honey Badgers, with the, the fabled home team advantage, mm -hmm. may be able to pull ahead. But I think I'm going to give it to the Serpents this time. Yep, the Honey Badgers are coming into their stride, though, as of last game day. So I reckon they are Definitely. on the up. It won't be an easy game they'll make it, but I do also think the Serpents will take that one. Ali, what do you think? Yeah, this will be a game that both teams will look to win, but the Serpents, I think, will win the game. Serpents with a win as well, so three for the Serpents there. Then we have Neptunes with their second game, this time against the Vikings. Ali, what do you think about this one? I think if the Vikings' first-team quarterback and receivers can turn up, and I think if they play, I think it'll be a close game. But I think even with them on the field, I'm going to have to give it to, to uh, the Neptunes. I can see Neptunes having an increasingly tough day. Um with their two games so far, including the Vikings. I think what, what might trip the Neptunes up is the fact that they're playing you next. 
And they're going to be thinking about that game. They want it to be over as quick as possible, stay as fresh as possible to play the Scorpions and try and sneak that win as, as much as possible. Um, that they might get a little complacent against the Vikings and Vikings might sneak a few. But I'm, I'm still going to say Neptune's win. But I think I'm, I'm going to call it that they might get a little complacent there. Um, it's an interesting one for me because, once again, we go back to this, this how much does travel impact it? Cheltenham. And Nottingham are probably the furthest away that we could still be in our division. Yep. So they've got a bit of travel this time to make up for the fact they had the home day last week. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think it's going to be a challenge for the Neptunes, but I think they're going to walk away with this one. I think I agree with your point about that they want to stay fresh for Salford, but they have got a break in between. Oh, this is true. So they might be playing hard, knowing they're going to be refing next. Yeah, yeah. interesting, interesting. Okay, so the, the final one at 1pm uh, is, is, is us, the hosts and the guests, Panthers versus Scorpions. The hosts and guests battle it out. Uh, James, we can't go against our own team, right? We can't, we can't do that. So <laughs> I'm saying Panthers win, just to be cheeky, just to, just to put that out there. <laughs> and I'm going to say Panthers win convincingly. Convincingly, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Ali's going to disagree, uh, but if we pull, if we do pull it out though, James, our guesswork on this show can become gospel. 100%. 100%. We've, we've had some bang on guesses so far. We're only our second episode in. Yeah. This is going pretty well. Ali, what do you think? Oh, shit. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Scorpions. I'm sorry to disagree with you. Uh, <laughs> shock, the show, shock, I've seen horror. some of the results. <laughs> I've seen some of the results. Uh, yeah, you guys put up, what, was it 54, 55 points against quite a decent Bears team, so it's... Yes, 54 against so the Bears, yeah. 54 against the Bears, yeah, so it's... Uh, and we it's, kept the Neptunes. It's clearly not an easy score. team to be, clearly a team that can score and put up points, so yeah, I mean, the three games on the day, we'll, we'll have to bring our A game for all of them. It's going to be a shootout. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It's, it's going to be interesting. Even though it's so early in the season, it's so nice to play someone different already, right? Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, at 2pm, all four pitches are busy at all at the same time. Have we got enough refs? I don't even know. Uh, Phantoms against Serpents. What do we think, Ali? Oh, that's, that's a difficult one. That's the one that I'm honestly not sure about. Uh, I'll, I'll have to give the edge to the Phantoms, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, Serpents. Uh, so I'm going to have to give the win to them. James? Um, I think this is going to largely come down to the results of the previous games. I think there's not going to be much separating these two teams. And I think if one of them has a win early doors, that may carry them through Mm. and keep steam going for them to go into their second game on the end. But conversely, a loss could be what lights the fire to really get them to, to turn up. Um, Based on the results and based on the fact that I know the Phantoms team are so well drilled, I'm going to go with the Phantoms for this one. Mm-hmm. I've also done the same thing, but this is the only game I've made zero notes about because of what you said, Ali. It's one of those ones where they're so similar in, in their scoring yeah. that I just I, I can't call it. I've, I've said Phantoms just to be division friendly, but I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> honestly. Uh, Cougars versus Titans, the two second place teams. Uh, Cougars first game out that day against Arrested, but they have played one, the Titans. James, what do you think? It's going to depend on who the Titans turn up with and how tired they are after both a long journey and an additional game. But we know the Cougars can score. We know the Cougars were really close to beating the Neptunes. Um, I'm going to give it to the Cougars. Yep. Ali, what do you think? Titans BR are a good side, but I've played against Cowan quite recently, and they have got an incredible squad. So I'm going to have to give the win to Cowan, and I'll say that it won't be close. It won't be close. Oh, putting the putting it out there. It won't be close. I've also gone Cougars win. Uh, but yeah, just try, again, going from what Ali said about the, the, the quarterback not quite making that last conversion, um, that, that could really be it against the Cowan Cougars. We played them in, in a pre-season tournament, and they were pretty much, they were very ruthless. It was a case of, we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that'll be, that'll be what they're going to like on the day. Absolutely. Uh, Bears versus Vikings. This is the kind of time where the Bears have really stepped up. Coming out of a tough game that, they, that, I, that we think they, they might lose or that they might win or might be really close, uh, I think Bears will win this take the Vikings purely because Bears have a really good ability of coming out of a loss and still playing hard. Ali, what do you think? Uh, yeah, agree with you 100%. I think, I think the Bears, I think it just depends on the personnel who turns up that day. But I think even with a limited squad, I still think the Bears come out of the head in that game. Mm-hmm. And James? The Bears could play like they did 
for the second half of last week. They've got it in the bag. Um, but if the Vikings turn up and they turn up with all of their first string players and they go out and really, really give it their all, it could go either way. Um, but I'm going to be controversial and say it'll be the Vikings. Nice, nice. So the last game of 2 p.m. are Buccaneers versus the Panthers. I'd like to think we'd also beat the team at the bottom, just like the Neptunes uh, we think will. Uh, but as we said about the Honey Badgers before, they can't be underestimated, James. Yeah, the key thing for us is going to be making sure that we go into that game um, not overconfident, not getting sloppy, not forgetting our basics. We know that when we go in and when we execute, we're a solid team and we're hard to attack, we're hard to defend against. So as long as we stay focused and as long as we keep our, our eye on the ball, I think we've got that one. And I'm really interested to hear your point here. Obviously, with the point you made earlier about the Bucks being just that team that can score, but just not quite score enough to take the win. What do you think about with, with knowing what you know about us and the Bucks? Well, the Bucks, uh, so they're probably the hardest team to break down for me from what I've uh, experienced in my division. Um, they are the hardest team to break down defensively. And, you know, they're, they're very consistent, very good at moving the ball. Uh, so that will be quite a close game. Um, but I, I can't see the Buccaneers coming out on top in that game. Okay, so three Panthers wins there for that one. Interesting, interesting. So at 3pm, things come down to just two games. Firstly, we have the Honey Badgers against the Titans. James, what do you think about this one? <laughs> I, do, I hate to say it. I hate to, to do it. But I think if the, if the Titans are going to come out and they're going to come strong, this is going to be a a Titans win all day. I think the Honey Badgers will get some scores in. Honey Badgers will put up a fight, but I think the Titans are going to take it. As you mentioned earlier, the Titans have let uh, their bottom team, the Buccaneers, some points through quite a bit uh, with their two games being really, really close. So I think, as, I think Honey Badgers will score some points, but I think Titans will take that win and how big that margin is, I'm not so sure, Ali. Titans will take the win, but it will be a lot closer than what, than what as the, uh, the league table would suggest with where both teams are. I think I think this will come down to a couple of points, maybe. Interesting. I'm really interested to see this. Like, obviously, Ali knows Titans be really, really well. I'm really interested to see how how we do that and how 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 they're faring. Their second team in the table. At the, at the risk of offending somebody on the Titans B team, which I don't mean to do at all, um, as we don't know much about them, maybe we are. Maybe we're setting the bar quite high, knowing what the Titans A team are like and knowing how good. They sure. are as a squad. Um, I think Ali seems to have a bit more of a, a uh, realistic opinion yeah. compared to what I'm imagining in my head, which is a blowout. The second game happening at that time, and we're really excited because we are not refing. We are resting at the time, so we can watch the two top dogs, Battle of the Titans without the Titans, Neptunes <laughs> versus the Scorpions. Ali, let's hear your breakdown of this. Well, of course, you've got to back your own team, of course, haven't you, but... Out of all the games, this is the one that I'm looking forward to playing the most. It's um, to go 6-0 and against a very good Cowan side, against, uh, against the Panthers, against the Phantoms, uh, and of course a very good Bears team as well. It's, um, it's nothing that can be overlooked. They look like a good squad. I hear their defence, um, they've got at least one who's on the GB Silver Lions team, who mm. I think also captains it as well. I think that's, is that Dan? Who's, yes. uh, yeah. So yeah, really looking forward to playing against them. You always look forward to playing against great teams and they look like a great team. They do. Ultimately, they do. I'm going to have to give it to us. Salford though. Salford for the win. Salford for the win, James. Oh, this is a test of loyalty, this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm so confident that the Panthers are going to beat Salford. <laughs> um, it's only mathematical, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's you know science proves that a panther would kill a scorpion in the wild. <laughs> um, but how's a scorpion going to fare against a literal god of the sea? <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's going to be a very very close game. Um, I would like to see the I would like to see the scorpions win it, so that we have a better chance of climbing the table and catching up with the Neptunes. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give it to the Neptunes. 
even though it's interesting. I, I remember looking at the tournament you played, um, and I was really interested in, just in those scores. You made it all the way to the final, and I was saying to I think I think it's James. I said it to you at the pub sometime. I was like, "We're playing the Scorpions this year, and they have just absolutely smashed the tournament. Yet they're a brand new team. They're going to be a really tough team to go against." Um, obviously we played the Neptunes before and we were like, well, we know what the Neptunes are like. We've, we've lost the Neptunes. We've played the Neptunes. We've affiliated with the Neptunes. Um, this is the first time I'm going to say this could be a tie. I think it's going to really go down to the wire. Um, and I, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a tie. It'd be a game for the ages. I know Ben, really put, ben put on the comments of our last episode, uh, he doesn't care about any predictions as long as there's a tie somewhere. So I'm going <laughs> to copy his prediction there. I'm going to say somewhere there's a tie and I think it might be that game. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so at 4pm, our last games of the day, three games here. Uh, firstly, we have the Cougars versus the Serpents. James? Um, I think I think it's going to have been a long day for the Serpents at that point. You've got the additional travel in there. If they're as inconsistent as Ali has sold us before, then I think I think Karen's are going to take that one easily. I agree, I agree. Uh are, is 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 Kelly Barrett going to be playing and, and Millie? Are they playing? Because obviously they just come back from Big Bowl. That's a good shout. I don't know. Are um, they playing? Well, hopefully it's only it's in a couple of weeks, isn't it? So I'm sure they will be playing, but they'll be running off a high off that. I think they finished third. Really? Um, in in their I think yes, yeah, I think they took third overall or at least third in their division. Um, so they're going to come off from a high from that. I think they're going to really bring that up as well and, and they, use that for the whole day. And that is something that you have to remember with the Cougars is they do have international level players. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I'm also going Cougars win, Ali? I'm going to have to go with the Cougars win. I do like West Lancer, fantastic group of lads, and with how much they've improved uh, in such a short amount of time, it's just nothing shy of incredible. But uh, I think I think the quality of Cowan will see them through. Uh, then we have our last game of the day, the Vikings versus the Panthers. Both teams will be tired, having played plenty of games against really good teams that day. Well, both ones come away from the day with a win, so it will be a tough game. I think we, we always respond better, James, when we win that final game. Even if we win the first game, the first two games, that final game is always our sort of mood setter. Whether we win it or lose, it really depends. So I think we'd really want to try and win that against, against the Vikings. Yeah, I think um, the fact that we've had a rest as well, the fact that we've not had to sit in the car for as many hours um, yeah. could make a difference. I do, I do agree with you. I think we as a team have that mentality of it's very, you know, we've had it before where we've had a great day and then lost the last game and left with a bitter taste in our mouths, even though we, we shouldn't. So I think the fire will definitely be going in our bellies to really go out and smash that game. And I think, I think providing that we can stay fit and healthy and providing that we can use that bit of R and R time to really keep ourselves prepped, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll smash it. Nice. I, I've put Panthers to win by a touchdown or two. Ali, what do you think? The Vikings have got quite a big squad, so I don't think sort of uh, exhaustion and uh, fatigue is really going to play a part in their game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how big your your team is, uh, but they they usually show up with a set offense, set defense, and about three or four subs as well. Similar so to us. Similar to us. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I think as well, it will depend on. Um, if the if the quarterback for the Vikings shows up as well, but I'm going to have to give the edge to the Panthers. I haven't seen you guys play, but uh, but from what I've seen, sort of like scores wise, you're more than capable of uh, putting up points. And uh, so we will. You you don't really know what you're going to get out of them on the day. So I think your your consistency, the way you're able to score points, that'll that'll carry you through. But I don't think it will be a blowout. I think it will be within. Definitely within a touchdown. Yep, that's exactly what I said. So hard to predict um, with the, the Vikings side, apparently. Really interesting, really interesting. The last game of the day are the Buccaneers versus the Bears, the two teams at the lower end of their tables. Uh, the last time the Bears were at the end of the game day, though, uh, they were against their rivals and did go home with a 32-0 blowout. Um, end of the day, and they only had six or seven players as well against a, a quite a large Honey Badgers side as well. Um, so I, with that in mind, I've put Bears to win, um, and I don't think they're going to take any prisoners either. What do you think, James? I I would like the Bears to win. I think um, I'm not going to pray that half of Nottingham's going to turn up to support them or to fill in the gaps in their roster again. But I um, I think that, well, put it this way, I think come the end of the day, if they walk away with the win, we'll know home field advantage is real. 
Nice. Oh, nice. Bring that back in the episode. Ali, what do you think? Surely, I don't think have a win yet this season. I'd like to see them get the first win in this game. So I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Charlie. I think that I think they'll come away with a win and I think they'll surprise quite a few people with the scoreline as well. I think it'll be be quite a substantial scoreline. Interesting, interesting. Nice. So we've got uh, quite a few mixed bags there, even even amongst us, James. Uh, a mixed bag of scores there, predictions. Uh, remember, do put your scores in on the Google form if you can. Remember, the top scores will, uh, top the top answers will get into that prize pool. We don't know what the prize is yet, but it's definitely worth going for, whatever it is. Yep, we will. Um, we will definitely arrange a prize. <laughs> it won't be a singing fish. It won't. Well, it might be a singing. Fish. It might be a singing fish like a mantha bomb. It might be a cake with a lasagna inside. Um, the Panthers have never been the best at being kids. So. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, but Ali, we've gonna, we're going to save your scores and put them in as well, so you've automatically entered. Uh, do share this around, Ali, as well. Anyone can enter. It's not just Midlands people. Anyone around the country can can enter this competition if they want to have a chance of winning something. Why not put it in? Uh, thank you so much, Ali, for joining us and giving us some info on the Northwest teams. Uh, I'm really excited for it. What are you doing? I think it's going to be a fantastic day. Um, thanks again to you, Ali, for coming and seeing us. And hopefully we can have you back for the next cross-conference game day where we can get some more expert analysis from to North. Carry me on the show. So thanks once again, Ali. And of course, thanks to you, James. That's us for this episode. Uh, join us again for game day four, where we review everything from game day three and our predictions for that game day four too. Thanks very much. Cross conference, cross conference, cross conference game day. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we're gonna cross the conference. Ooh, yeah, we're gonna cross the conference. Ooh, yeah, gonna cross the conference. Cross conference game day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If I had more time, I would put guitars behind this. <laughs> <laughs> and a full-on metal slipknot drum kit. Oh, man. All right, cool.